Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Chris, how is your morning going, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, chilling at my aunt's in Michigan for a few days. I'm actually going to my other aunt's in uh los angeles later this week just trying to catch up with family i've not seen since before the pandemic so trying to do that trying to be a loving family member without letting league pass infiltrate all my family time um so yeah doing that how are you i'm i'm wonderful um are the lakers or the clippers in town when you're in los angeles will you be attending a game or are you just avoiding the nba as much as possible Honestly, I haven't even looked. Uh, my aunt is dealing with some health stuff. So, you know, from that standpoint, I'm being not a, a good family member. I guess that's just what any family member should do. I'm kind of more focused on her while I'm out there. I might try to watch some stuff on TV, but uh, made it a point to not even look so that I'm not tempted to try to catch a game because there will always be games. But, you know, family's family, and it's been a couple years since I've seen people. So I'm going to be, I'm going to just stick to the script and, and hang with family while I'm there. That's good. And um, going out to L.A. in the winter is also an intelligent move by you. And I I am jealous um, of it very much. It's very cold in New York. I don't like the cold, Chris. Is it cold in Chicago slash Michigan? I assume so. Cold in in Chicago. I got here (laughs) to Michigan. There's snow on the ground. I'm not too far outside of Detroit. And it's like, yeah, it was funny because I was thinking about I knew last week I was going to come visit family and I was like, should I go to um, L.A. first and then come to Michigan? But then my, you know, my aunt is older, the one here in Michigan. So I was like, you know, if 
if you do get sick or if you do get the virus, somehow me, if I get the virus, I'm like, would I rather, where would I rather be? So I'm like, let me go to Michigan first, see my older aunt first, then go to LA. And then it was also thinking like, oh, it'll be a really nice reprieve to get out of the cold weather for a few days after I've spent time in the, it's even colder here in Michigan than it is in Chicago. So to get to LA for three, four days and just kind of relax there and see family there in the nicer weather where it's not hot there, but it's uh 60 sounds a lot better than 15. Yes, it does snow on the ground and there's deer out here and it's suburban life. And I'm, yeah, it'll be nice to get back to city city life where it's warm. So you mentioned, getting COVID and um, on today's show, not that you have COVID, you mentioned mentioned the possibility of COVID uh, right there. Um, Chris, you do not have COVID, I'm pretty sure. Not that Um, I'm aware of. Good. So on today's show, you know, we're going to talk about the pandemic's seemingly never-ending impact on the NBA. We're going to talk about how the Pacers are finally preparing to do something they should have done a long time ago. And then we'll bounce around the league by answering a few terrific emails. Um, speaking of, keep those questions coming to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Okay, so to be frank, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because it isn't a particularly enjoyable topic. But at the same time, it's it's just so hard to ignore right now as someone covering the league. And I'm sure everyone listening following the league as well. There's these daily tweets that just pop up on my phone from Woj and Shams letting us know that a player or a coach will miss multiple games due to health and safety protocols or testing positive for COVID-19. Right now, half the Bulls seemingly have covid um, half the Hornets have COVID or in health and safety protocols. John Morant tested positive for COVID, and, and Dylan Brooks is in health and safety protocols. The Pacers and the Raptors canceled a recent practice out of, quote, an abundance of caution, despite nobody on Toronto's roster being in health and safety protocols. We had LeBron have a false positive. That forced him to miss a game. Joel Embiid said that he wasn't sure if he was going to survive his bout with COVID. And, you know, I think that that helps keep things in perspective a little bit. Cases are dramatically up throughout the country, as are deaths. And the Omicron variant, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know if there is a way to pronounce that word, but Omicron is how I'm going to pronounce it on today's show. The Omicron variant is more contagious than the Delta variant was. So with that context, does it feel like... COVID is derailing this season or could potentially disrupt the schedule in a more dramatic way than we've seen so far? And and just what do you make of us now still being where it feels we were a year ago when, you know, fans weren't allowed in arenas and games were being postponed left and right? No, to me, and I mean, I thought about this because I'm like, am I just, does this make me an asshole for thinking that it's not derailing the season? I just think it's kind of where we're at societally right now, um, that it's derailing everything or it's threatening to derail everything, but it's kind of happening in the background. The games are still going on. Um, You know, I think there's a debate to be had about whether they should, but I think really the the virus has not gone away and the fact that we have variants now 
even when we kind of kill off one of them or one of them is mostly gone and not really wreaking havoc, then there's another one that pops up. Um, you know, I, I think it is good and worth noting that most of the players are vaccinated, so it generally does not strike you as a life death thing for the players. Um, you know, because I think, what is it, 97%. Um, it's good that they still are testing as aggressively as they are. Um, and it, to some extent, as much as it can be, I think it's good that we're hearing about the players testing positive. I don't want people, uh, like in Joel Embiid's case, where he's saying that it, you know he thought he wasn't going to make it for a minute. Like, that's very serious. To some extent, I think it's good that that messaging is out there so that at least some people hear and see that this is still a thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it's derailing the season. I think every year we have stuff. Last year we certainly had stuff like this where it was literally kind of taking a toll on teams and you know teams that otherwise probably make the playoffs comfortably if not for people just being really taken out by this um you know we've certainly talked about the celtics and the raptors and other teams like that where it literally derailed their seasons the wizards to some extent the wizards oh certainly at the top of that list as well uh so it doesn't feel like that yet to me but also um you know it doesn't seem to be knocking guys out for as long some guys are coming back a little bit sooner than you'd expect, but it's still around. And so it's not derailing it, but it definitely is a factor. Yeah, I mean, the vaccination rate is very high in the NBA, but as we've seen, you know, um, I believe the CDC is now recommending or has recommended a while ago that booster shots are critical right now in warding off the Omicron variant. Um, And I think a lot of players got the J&J, and that's just hasn't been as successful in um, protecting people from these variants of COVID. And so I don't know what the rate is of players who have the booster. I would assume it's not as high as just the the baseline vaccination rate. Um, Probably should have double-checked that to see if we have that data before we started recording, Chris. But, like, would... I, I don't. No games have been postponed yet, but like I said in the intro, there um, practices are starting to be canceled. And I don't know. Like, do, would it surprise you if a game was actually postponed? Because it's like fans are in arenas. I know that sometimes they're masked, sometimes they're not masked. I don't. It's it, and this thing is just still raging throughout the country. Um, would it surprise you if? For a stretch, you know, a, a team like the Hornets, who they have not had basically like any of their... I mean, they they beat the Hawks without LaMelo, without um, uh, Terry Rozier, without a whole bunch of their key players, Mason Plumlee, um, not available to play. But would it surprise you if we had this stretch where a team just wasn't able to, to compete and we had to make up games at some point down the line? Not entirely, and I think the reason for me feeling that way actually gets back to what you were saying a minute ago. They're, I mean, these stadiums are full. <laughs> That's the big difference from last year to now is that, you know, it, it took a while before we, before teams made that decision. We basically were at the postseason before teams were starting to make that decision and then being comfortable enough to fill the stadiums or that they started to realize, oh, if we make a vaccination requirement, we can feel better about having the stadium full and not have as many concerns. And so, the fact that, again, most people in this country are vaccinated, um, I would imagine that in a lot of these markets that most of these people are vaccinated, not all of them, I would imagine that places like maybe Oklahoma City would be kind of interesting to look at relative to something like a New York City. Um, 
But just in light of all that, watching these teams struggle to try to put a full team on the floor, um, but then also having a full stadium kind of runs counter to you know one versus the other, I would seem it's like a, a juxtaposition. So at some point, I would imagine if you postpone the games, maybe it buys you more time to wear. I mean, the, the worst case scenario for a lot of these teams financially is to have the games but not play in front of fans. Um, and I imagine the NBA really, really does not want to go back to that if they can avoid it. And so even if they have to postpone the games, I imagine they would prefer to do that so that you can have as close to a full crowd as possible and get that money from that standpoint. But it does, again, if we're asking the hard questions here, the question may be like, should the crowds be as full as they are or full at all if this thing is going to rage on. Um, and, and, you know, one thing you did not mention that I think we should, just so that it's out there, everything that the CDC is saying so far is that the Omicron variant is not thought to be as severe as the other ones are. Um, it does seem more contagious but less severe. So that is one thing to keep in mind. But still, I mean, the virus is the virus. The virus is still scary. Um, so I imagine that the league wants to maximize money without – jeopardizing people and uh, putting people in jeopardy and if that's the case it really doesn't make sense that the stadiums are full as teams are rolling out seven eight guys because they've got five or six that are in protocol so it wouldn't surprise me if there are games postponed but is it derailing the season to your original question i don't think it is relative to last year no it's just such a weird it's such a weird um i always feel kind of icky talking about this in the context of like how this is impacting the NBA and the NBA right. schedule. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I I asked this question with that subtext there. Like, how much of a bummer is it just as a fan of the league when, you know, you're sitting down to tune in for like a, a Bulls game and it's just like DeMar DeRozan isn't there. And this is such a, like an exciting time for fans of that team. You're from Chicago or you're, you live in Chicago. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's just such a, I can't like put my finger on it beyond just saying this stinks. And uh, like, why are we still here? And I'm just like voicing my frustration in the wind right now. So I apologize. I don't really have a question for you beyond like, no, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, it from the most baseline standpoint to kind of get back on the basketball side of it, it kind of makes what Phoenix was doing even more incredible from the standpoint of winning that many games in a row because the way I think about it and, you know, watching the Bulls and everybody else is you're going to have games that you just look horrible because of this. Uh, you're going to have guys that are really integral to what you do that are just going to be out of the lineup on a random night. Um, and I mean, we've had some of that over the the past few years where a coach will just decide to not play his best players and let them rest. And so you're going to essentially take a loss that way. Um, this is just more, more serious and more rooted in health. I mean, it's health, but it's not, you know, it's health to, it's public health as opposed to load management. And, um, you know, it's a much bigger deal because it's contagious. So, um, you know, I think that's the takeaway from it is just, it, it does disrupt stuff. I don't think it's derailed it. Um, you know, we're fortunate, I guess, on some level, it didn't derail the situation when they went to the bubble, but that causes its own kind of complications from a personal level, not ones that fans feel as much, but for the players and having to be away from their families. It's 
it's a trade-off and you know and there are a lot of people that have asked the question i think rightly so um does a society that can't really keep this under wraps or do its best in a situation like this does it really deserve to kind of have the dessert that is sports um if it doesn't finish its dinner and really handle the things it needs to handle now the rest of the world is still dealing with this too but you would hope that america would be better positioned to take care of it and to have better testing in place for it which now it seems like it's kind of in a better place but the idea of having free testing or you know testing that people could just do at home um the same way that there is in the uk and other places you know there are things that the country could be doing better um a lot of things i think but we'll see i it is frustrating you know but i I think that it's great that we have a league to watch um you know although i'm like i said i think some people would make the argument that maybe we should get this figured out first and then worry about basketball and everything else so we'll see what happens yeah. but hopefully they can hopefully it's it does not explode out of control the way that we saw a year and a half 18 19 months ago yeah i want to this is my last question then i want to move on to actually talk about basketball but the all-star week all-star weekend is still a couple months away um and usually that's a time when players go on vacations and leave the country and then come back and it just seems like that would be a particularly dire thing to do potentially um, in terms of just leaving, getting yourself exposed to contracting a variant of COVID nineteen. Do you think the NBA should even have All Star Weekend? And I haven't. I'm not even. I haven't even mentioned like bringing people, all these people together, flying them into. I think it's in what is it in in Indianapolis this year? I think Indianapolis has a bunch of games this year between that and the football title game. And is it Cleveland yeah. or is it Indianapolis? I actually, now that I'm actually you're right. That, that it's I'm, sure. it's I'm almost positive it's Cleveland. Good call. Okay, I'm almost positive. Yes, Cleveland. Either way, we're flying to Cleveland, bringing everybody in there, like. Is that such a smart thing? Such a smart decision right now? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. And uh, last year, it was really controversial that they decided to do it. But at least when they did it, it was Atlanta. It was kind of bubbled off. Um, I don't think, again, I don't think Cleveland is talking about doing that. If they are, I'm sure they're not excited about doing that. So I think you have to kind of wait and see with it. Um, I was kind of of the opinion that it did not make sense to do last year and was critical of that i thought it was kind of jarring too that it was in atlanta a lot of us were friends with seku smith uh who passed away and worked out of atlanta um and so it was just kind of like you know who had just passed away from the virus and you know was one of the most well-loved you know well-liked reporters in the league and so it just felt kind of empty to do that um you know i get that the, the the league let's just be honest let's keep it a buck the league never wants to throw away opportunities to generate money um Mm -hmm. they were willing to kind of play the season a month and a half two months after it ended you know in october of 2020 to start another season uh even though people as vocal and as big as lebron were saying no we don't want to do this um and the leagues you know the league was kind of cautious about it at first and then they kind of went in for the kill and said look we're going to lose a quarter of our money this year if we don't do it. Do you guys really want to do that? And they started kind of playing hardball through that sort of messaging to the players. And all of a sudden, what do you know? The season was going to start really early, really fast um, because they could not lose that Christmas date. The same thing ended up being true of the All-Star game, even though everybody was kind of saying, are you sure you want to do this? And then lo lo and behold, was it Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons that couldn't play in the game? Uh, 
because of the was it the barber or whatever that they I, I can't there was something there were guys that missed the all-star game because they had the virus uh so i mean stuff is gonna happen it's gonna continue to happen when you kind of do that but we know what the league's priority is i don't think they want to do it so much to where they're jeopardizing everything but if they take a risk here or there i think they've shown they're willing to do that and you know for better or worse i don't necessarily agree with that but i understand the thinking um i probably would not at this rate if stuff continues to explode but as we know with this virus a lot of stuff can change in a month two months and uh, hopefully it does and goes back in the other direction this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to say about COVID-19 or the pandemic, or can we move on to talk about... Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> our, our mutual least favorite... I think this might be our, our mutual least favorite team, the Indiana Pacers. Do you want to move on and, and Let's talk about some the Pacers, Chris? Is that cool? Yep. Okay. Um, so despite ranking 10th in net rating this season and ranking in the top 10 in offense and defense over their past 10 games, earlier this week, The Athletic reported that the Pacers were finally preparing a rebuild, a full-on teardown, trading Miles Turner, trading Domas Sabonis, trading Karis LeVert. Malcolm Brogdon cannot be traded because he just signed an extension. They would probably look to trade him, too, if it was allowed. I have a few thoughts on this and a few questions for you. Um, I think you've been a proponent of them kind of switching gears for a minute now. And so my first thing I want to like post to you is just why do you think this took so long? Like why now are they doing this? 
Look at the team's history. I, I think it's basically them and the Spurs. Um, and before that, to some extent, the Jazz. They've just never, ever, ever been willing to tear it down. I mean, they have not had, to my knowledge, a top 10 pick. You have to go back to like the... Don't you have to go back to like the 80s to find the last time they picked in the top 10? Or maybe yeah, Paul like George the, was what, 11th overall, I want to say? He was, right. so, he, so, he was not top 10. He was not a top 10 pick. So they And they certainly haven't had anything that was like top 5. Because for a while, the Knicks had actually been one of the teams that went the longest without having a top 5 pick. You had to go all the way back to like Ewing and like uh, Kitty Skywalker to find the last time they'd done that. So there's a couple teams, but the Pacers are like at the top of that list. And I think that even in, in some of those reports that you've seen from The Athletic and otherwise, it's pretty clearly stated that their ownership, even as ownership has changed hands at times, they've never, ever, ever expressed an interest in tanking. So they just haven't and they won't. And, you know, are there reasons for that? Yes. I mean, it's very easy for us to kind of be armchair quarterbacks with it and say, just tear it down. They're already basically dealing with the lowest attendance in the league with a team that has decent players on it but is not winning at a high enough clip to really engage people, intrigue people. So if you tear this down further, what do you think you're looking at attendance-wise for a small market? So there is a risk involved with it. I you know, I don't want to say that there's not. That's why they haven't torn it down, is that they want to be competitive. I think it's a market where people tend to fall in love with the players, where you know the mom-pop sort of fans just really, really love the players because you can get close to them. They're part of the community. Okay, all that said, it's been abundantly clear for a while that they needed to blow this thing up. Um, it is interesting now that now, if they had been playing this way to you know for the last couple of years, I think that you maybe would be more patient about doing it um, because there are a lot of suggestions and indications that if you just keep this team together as is, that they'll probably be in the play-in or in the playoffs. I mean, like you said, their net rating is really, really good relative to a team that, like, you normally are not talking about blowing a team like this up. Their net rating is good. They've been horrible in the clutch. Net rating-wise, they've I think they're 3-9 and nine in clutch games, which, you know, if you're in enough of those games, I think they have the worst record in the league. Something really awful, like, what is it? I'd have to go back and look, but maybe you can look it up while I'm on here. If you were to go on the ESPN's standings page and look at the expanded standings, I'm pretty sure they have the worst record in three-point games by a mile. Is, is it like 1-12 in 12 or something like that? Um, it's like horrible. And it's really, if you want to be honest, they're basically the inverse of the war, the uh, the Wizards, where the Wizards have no business having the record they do um, based on their net rating and based on how good they've been in close games. And the Pacers have no business being as bad as they are. And now you're starting to see that sliding scale of the Pacers playing better and the Wizards really falling off the face of the earth a little bit to where it's like, mm, are they for sure a playoff team? Because for all that time they spent kind of close to first place, all of a sudden they're sliding. And, you know, so they're regressing to the mean and the Pacers are starting to progress to the mean. So anyway, it is interesting that that's starting to happen, but there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of missing talent on this team. TJ Warren was the best player in the bubble, arguably, for a while and has not been able to play since then. So all that stuff, you take into account. But because you have a lot of good players and a lot of good talent on this roster, you could also sell them off and get something for them. It's just weird timing with the Rick Carlisle hire, which looks very odd now in light of the fact that you're basically saying, we need to bottom out. 
So that's the weird part. But yes, they should have done it a while ago. Yes, you can theoretically get a lot for the guys on this roster and individual moves. I imagine you'd probably rather do that than trade guys together because you could get a lot of you could probably get a lot back for each of these guys, I would think. Especially if you could trade Brogdon, but even without being able to trade him, you've also got Karis Levert, who's a very interesting, intriguing young player. Not that young anymore, but a very intriguing player if he could stay healthy, I think. So, yes, all of that is very well said. Um, I personally just don't get why you would wait until you're a couple months into Rick Carlisle's hire. Maybe you just wanted to see if this would work with the pieces that you had, but like, what was the ceiling of this roster always? And I know that, like you said, they have had, they've had some injury related um, bad luck. TJ Warren, I'm, I'm assuming that they thought would be healthier than he is. He just right. hasn't responded to his surgery. Um, uh, you know, the situation with Karis Levert when they acquired him in a trade. Um, that also, I, I don't think they anticipated that um, happening to them. Just looking, you know, top down and kind of their their thought process as a front office. But it's also just like Miles Turner and and Domas Sabonis are like working right now. Like their their defense, Indiana's defense right now, when those two are on the floor, is the best in the NBA, and they have a plus ten something net rating together. Last year it was minus two point three, I believe. Um, Their starting fives net rating is plus 21.1. And when you plug Justin Holiday in for Chris Duarte, it's plus 18.8. So when I say, like, why now, I don't think this team is is great. I think they're pretty average still, despite all those numbers I just said. It's just so fascinating to me that you would wait this long to, like, cash out on Sabonis, who, I don't know, he probably won't be an all-star this year. Um, but he had all-star cachet the past couple years. Made it the last and two years, yeah. it, it's just it's, – it's, it's kind of strange to me just how it's all playing out. I think that they should be trying to move those guys and see what you can get because as a small market team, despite the attendance concerns, if you want to win big – the way they're going to do it is through the draft. That's just it, it, it's just that's what you have to do if you're Indiana, and I think that there's an opportunity to both get bad and um, pick up draft assets with the the pieces that you have with Karras potentially. I think that he could garner some attention. I think Sabonis is definitely worth um, valuable draft assets or young. You can get young, talented young players back. And we're going to talk about some potential trades in a second. Miles Turner. I'm personally not high on Miles Turner. Um, what did he call himself in, in that interview with the athletic the other day? Like, uh, he's about being how he's like constantly a in the role player. It's like, yeah, that was dude, an interesting you, comment I, for several <laughs> reasons. It was a very it, interesting comment. It, it was. And it's kind of like, um, I don't. I don't think that Miles Turner will ever make an All Star team. He apparently, um, I guess, sees himself as something on that level, uh, potentially, or deserving but of think, a higher. But think think about it though. And- think about it because I think the the interesting thing, and I think this is true of everything with Indiana, we're like the most ideal version of all this stuff. Um, Karis Levert and that trade, and what you hoped for out of that trade. T.J. Warren before the injury. Um, the the hire that they had last year what was dude's name i can't even remember anymore that they fired after one season um you know 
getting somebody off Nick Nurse's staff, like after the run that Nick Nurse has had in Toronto, just someone that thinks differently, operates a little bit differently. They all, in theory, make sense. Like a, a two big lineup with you know one that guy that the offense runs through, another guy that can stretch the floor, and having a defensive rim protector. All of it, in theory, makes sense. It just hasn't always worked well together, or something about it has gone wrong. Okay, the coach is like a taskmaster, and the the players don't like him. T.J. Warren gets hurt. Karis LeVert essentially, you know, they catch like an early form of, were they calling it cancer officially? I mean, it's like crazy stuff that they've had. And like you said, this year, some of that stuff has actually worked out. Miles Turner has been really great. And if you're thinking about what Miles Turner's people say to him, I guarantee you they say this because players are already overwhelmingly confident and then they have people in their ear that make them more confident. If you're Miles Turner, I guarantee you people have been in his ear saying, man, as soon as they trade Sabonis or as soon as you get traded somewhere else and you don't have to worry about playing next to this dude and playing off this dude and this dude having the ball you're going to be a superstar like I guarantee you they've been telling him that and so he speaks with the confidence of someone that's been told that and I guarantee you someone has told him that and I guarantee you that when all these teams all of a sudden are interested in trading for him um that it probably boosts that part of his thinking even more um so I I get what you're saying he's not going to be an all-star doesn't matter what team he goes to um, like a rotational role player is a little bit strong to say that, but he, I mean, he's way closer to that than he is to being like the star of a franchise. Like it's, it's abundantly clear. And I've said this, I wrote this about him. He's, he's a fascinating player. It's not to diminish him as a player at all. I think he's like a fringe defensive player of the year candidate. He normally leads the league in blocks or is very close to it. Um, but he's had, and I wrote this story last year before I got to SI, he has had essentially the most static uh, box score in line in the league. Like every year you can mark him down for almost exactly 13 points a game, seven boards, three blocks, an assist and a half. His shooting percentages are normally static. I will give him credit that this year he's been fantastic shooting the three. So he's like up at 40% or slightly above, slightly below 40% this year. Um, that is a career high for him. That's great. And it's improvement for him. We'll see if it stays that way. Um, but it's crazy because I mean, he, the guy has a 40 point game and that, you know, as it's wonderful as that is. And as impressive as that is, he still ends up at the same 13 points per game, no matter what, I don't care how many points this guy scores the game before it's always going to be the same average. So you kind of know what you're getting with him. And I think that that is with Sabonis in the lineup. It's when Turner is out there by himself, you know, and defensively, you know what you're getting, but offensively, it's just kind of the same thing all the time. You know what you're getting with that too. So, the the trade value is what it is. I think he'll you, he could get back a lot for you. I think, but I don't think you're going to win a title because of him with this roster with him with Sabonis. If Sabonis were somewhere else, it would not make the Pacers markedly better. I don't think. Um, you know, so pivoting to the future for them is a good step. Uh, and it could be a it could be a quick rebuild to some extent, depending on who you get back for these guys, and if you get do well with the draft picks that you're going to get in in return, because these are really talented players that you could get something for. So I gave you a first of all the Nate Bjorkren erasure is um, does he have great. a job somewhere? I don't think so. <laughs> I, so I, then, I am I the one erasing him or no? Oh am wait, am I no. the one erasing he, him or is the league erasing it, him? I think is he back in Toronto? I want to say, I is believe, he? I don't know. I, I honestly, I think so. I think yeah, I believe he is back in Toronto. Um, the Iowa native 
back with Nick. Rose. Oh damn! I, want, I, want I had say. a I had a really good zinger too. Had you not had you not gone off actual <laughs> on me, I'm not. Don't don't say I erased him. The league erased him. Uh, but no, I guess I guess he was erased, and then they penciled him back in in Toronto. So yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess shout out to him. Um, anyway, uh, so I gave you a homework assignment, Chris. Um, you know, talking. Everyone loves fake trades, and I know that you. You personally take pride in your ability to to come up with the most interesting ones I've ever come across. So um, this is just right up your alley, uh, uh, bro. Obviously, before, can I? I'm short circuiting <laughs> you now because you're 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 hyping it up sarcastically, and I did not fully do my homework because I literally started to pencil in trades, and they take me like I did our power rankings this past weekend, and mm-hmm. I was messaging our editors the whole time like dog this is agonizing i cannot finish this because <laughs> I, I i sit and put so much thought into it I, I took at least nine or ten hours doing our power rankings this week and writing them up at least nine i or read 10. them they were good so if i hope that makes you feel better and makes you it gives you that well uh, thank you but i i spend too much time on them and then still don't even feel good about them when they're done and i'm even and my thing is i'm worse with fake trades because i have no like I don't know how you become a good armchair GM with regards to what you would trade. I've never had any practice. I know how to make the trade machine work, but I refused to sit down and try to go player by player here. So the best you're going to get out of me here, because I hate them, one, and two, I'm not good at them, is I picked which teams I thought would be most interesting if you made a trade to those teams with this player. So I did not trade actual players or picks or anything for them because I'm horrible at that. But I do have teams that I think are super intriguing if you trade them to them those teams okay i want you to give me um a couple of those teams but first i have a kind of like a, a big picture question about sabonis i want to start with sabonis because okay. i think that All he's right. he's the one who interests me i honestly like you know i'll see like a tweet almost every like definitely every well, like, at least once a week but i want to say more than that every couple days from like a knicks fan on my timeline being like the knicks really need miles turner and it's just like I don't. I just don't understand the fascination with Miles. You Turner. You know what the fascination is? Go back and look at what Miles Turner has done to the Knicks this year. That's all it <laughs> okay, is. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. That forty point game I was referencing was Miles Turner against the Knicks. He had another game that was something like that, like twenty five or thirty, but hit like six threes. And so it, it turns into one of those things. We always make the joke about Doc Rivers and how Doc always signs the players that kill him. Yes. And how Tom Thibodeau always signs the players that have killed for him, you know, with Rose and Taj and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Luol Dang in Minnesota. I think that a lot of Knicks fans operate that way, too, where we, we always get on coaches that talk up people that have really been dominant against them once or twice. That's what this is. That's what it is. I mean, like, I think Miles Turner is fine, but Knicks fans think that he's like a world beater. And I think it's because he is when he plays against them. Okay, that's fascinating, and thank you for kind of clarifying why. I, I thought I was like going crazy, honestly, when I see these tweets from from Knicks people. They're way more um, gung about them than everybody else. Yeah. Yes, and I guess they have reason to be. Uh, they should watch other Pacers games. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So let's talk about Sabonis, who is far more fascinating, um, in my opinion, a better player. Maybe not a easier fit everywhere, but where he goes, if he's traded, I think I think he should definitely be traded, hopefully. I think it's just a spicier conversation to have. And my big picture question about him is like when you look at Sabonis, like what what is his like everybody every, I, th- I have a belief that every player has kind of like a destiny um in the NBA and well maybe not every player, but for Sabonis, I can't figure out if he is destined to be or should be kind of like a floor raising presence somewhere, like a Ricky Rubio type. Like a better version of that as a big man, or is he like a a final touch on you know in this season where there's so many different teams that feel like they can win the championship? Is he the missing piece that if he lands in Brooklyn or if he lands in Golden State or if he lands you know pick your pick a team, um, he's going to be the one who puts them over the top? Like is he is he destined to be Cade Cunningham's co-pilot, like the guy who gets traded to a bad team and then lifts them to like respectability, if not this season, the next season? Yo, you 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 went from legit. I mean, which was the point of what you're saying? You went from like being part of a dynasty potentially to like Cade Cunningham's sidekick. I know. I never. I can't. I've never heard a swifter. Oh my god! I don't know why that was so funny to me. Um. Anyway, let me let you finish your question completely. Or was that the end of your question? No, I mean that was basically it. But like, do you do you kind of get where I'm? Uh, what I'm I, saying, I, and I totally get what you're saying. And I mean, I think it's it's kind of like the dichotomy of who is the lowest level star that could oscillate between being a guy that swings a championship, mm-hmm. but also a guy that fundamentally doesn't make much difference for the team that he's going to which i imagine that's kind of what you were saying with the pistons example right and you have different levels of guys like that um 
And sometimes you have teams that bet on guys like that where it just doesn't. I think a few years ago, a guy that we had that was not quite on that level but was interesting for different reasons was like, remember when Evan Turner, people thought Evan Turner was the difference between a championship and not? Actually, as we talk about the Pacers um, and Andrew Bynum and guys like that, the Pacers had a really rough run with some of that. Um, yeah. So I, I mean I think Sabonis is is more legit than than that and you know it's been relatively healthy since he's been in the league so it's not a problem. Um, it's just you know I, I'm not someone that likes the trade machine as much as you do. But when you the last time we really sat and talked about this with the Warriors, I really do think that's a fascinating one because I think the team is already really good as is, if not great, potentially great, and that's without even Clay being back in the mix and without Wiseman and different things like that. Sabonis gives them more flexibility and versatility offensively, certainly. But I also think that if there are teams that can kind of absorb him defensively to some extent, I think when we talked about it, someone tweeted at us. They're like, I don't want another David Lee on the team, blah, 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 blah. Um, And it's interesting because it's like, okay, um, even if you reduce him to that, which David Lee was a good player, by the way, he was not a great fit with every lineup they're going to throw out there, but like, Having David Lee at your disposal and having to put him on the bench, like Sabonis doesn't strike me as the sort of person where like if you put him on the bench or he's not in every game ending lineup that you play, you know, if there's a team that he does not fit as well against, he doesn't strike me as someone who's such like an egotistical person that's going to like derail what you're doing. Um, okay, so you have lineups that you don't play him in. Um, or you have teams where like maybe you reduce him a little bit more than you would against others. If you have a team where you're playing against like the Suns, for instance, where interesting uh, look at how Aiton just attacked them on offense, on the offensive boards in that first game they played against them. Um, you know, maybe Sabonis is helpful in a matchup like that, where maybe you want someone that is a little bit bigger, that has a little bit of a bigger body, where you're not just getting abused from that standpoint. So I, I like having him there, and I think there's a lot of teams where you're just going to overwhelm them with offensive talent alone if he's out there. Uh, all the stuff that Draymond does in the short role. Sabonis can do a lot of that. Maybe not all of it, but a lot of it. And he's, he's a, a really more legitimate, passer. really he's good, a, passer. a great passer. He, you know, a lot of times is going to be at least a better shooter than Draymond, even if he's not a knockdown shooter. Um, can score it. You know, you feel better about him going to the basket than you do with Draymond. Um, although Draymond's been better at finishing this year, so I, it it does not make Golden State worse, even if you're of the mindset that you know maybe he's not a perfect fit in every conceivable way it does not make them worse and I think it makes them more dangerous and it gives them more depth too from that standpoint I guess you'd be trading something away to get him but um I would be all for that if I'm Golden State some people will say that hold out for an even better piece than him and I'm not sure what what all you can get you know maybe there is a conversation to be had about that but he absolutely I think potentially puts them over the top uh you know as a as a team where you look at a team that looks pretty neck and neck with Phoenix right now, I think that that gives them an advantage. And and so it takes away one of Phoenix's advantages over them from a rebounding standpoint. If you go smaller than that and you say, man, just trade him to the Orlando Magic, trade him to the the you know the Pistons. By the way, shout out to Orlando because I look at that team and I get really excited about what they could potentially do in the future. So I don't want to come, that to come off as a complete knock. Um, I don't know. I, I could definitely see Sabonis as someone that just kind of lingers and is just there and is just a guy you know who puts up his numbers but you know it's like a a diet version of like a Kevin Love where he puts up big numbers but nobody particularly respects it on its own because it's just he's languishing away in some market where it's not going to matter where the team isn't going to be good for several years um you know 
and to some extent he doesn't raise the floor enough to where that becomes like a destination or a team that is making perennial playoff runs that are deep into the second, third round. I don't know if that happens in Detroit. I also don't know how long that process takes to get off the ground in Detroit. So that's why it is interesting and intriguing because he could literally swing a title or he could go somewhere where they're like, this is a nice shiny piece to kind of build around. Um, but, you know, the the Pacers essentially were hoping he was a nice shiny piece to build around and they built nothing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but there's a wide range of outcomes with him, potentially in a way where I think nobody views Miles Turner as a star. So I do think there's some people that will at least view Sabonis as one and peg him that way and spin it that way, even if he is kind of like the lowest level star that's out there. Yeah, I mean, I think he will be the most talented player who gets moved before the trade deadline. Um I don't see Damian Lillard. I don't see Bradley Beal. I don't see a player of that caliber getting moved. Um, with Sabonis, I just there's a lot of teams out there that are kind of middle of the pack, and I just don't think that he moves the needle. Like I don't think he moves the needle for a team like Toronto. I don't think he moves the needle for a team like Boston. Um, even a team like Portland, knowing that you have to give up something of of value to get him and right if you could just add him to portland yeah right then sure i don't i honestly don't even know how much he moves the needle there though like if we're talking about like being the missing piece to become a contender that's kind of what i mean when i say move the needle for those um for those particular teams but i do think it is fascinating to consider uh what it would take to add him to Golden State. And I've already thrown out the, I think it was James Wiseman, Moses Moody, and Kavon Looney package to get um, Sabonis. And I think that's just like a, a great trade. Um, I have another one for you, though, that I have not said publicly that uh, came to my head as I was preparing for this podcast. So I'm going to give you this fake one, and then I want you to throw some teams at me that you think would be really good destinations if you have any others. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. Super. So the team that I think should maybe not super aggressively go after Sabonis, but it would be really interesting if they did, is the Phoenix Suns. And the package that they could throw together is... Um, Jay Crowder, uh, Dario Saric, who obviously has a 20 ACL and has another year in his contract that is not um, super pricey, and Cam Johnson, plus um, maybe an unprotected first-round pick. They, they're forfeiting their, their 2022 pick, but a future first-round pick that's unprotected, which could have a lot of value given Chris Paul's age and where that franchise is going, DeAndre Ayton's contract situation, etc., like, if Sabonis was in the starting lineup for Crowder, is that like, what do you think about that? Does that, do you like that fit? Do you like that flexibility that you can have just as a rotation where you play, um, you know, Sabonis with, as the backup five for minutes? Do you think that screws up their, their, their spacing? It screws up their deep? Just what do you think about that? Am I, and I, am I completely off base with trying to put Sabonis with the side? I don't hate it. I don't hate it because here's why. One, Crowder Crowder misses a lot of threes, man. Like, I, I don't know if maybe I haven't looked at his percentage since last week, but when I looked at it last week, I was like, how does anyone, like, 
lot of threes that man misses. He takes. He, I think he takes more than anybody outside of Booker. But he's like, in, he was in the low thirties um, last time I looked. And like career wise, he's one of the guys that maybe has one of the best reputations as a shooter. That's just not. Uh, he's never. I mean, he shot league average maybe once from three. Um, and obviously he had some toughness and and some perimeter defense and stuff like that. So it's not to say that's all he is. He's not just his three point shot, but his three point shot is vastly overrated. I think especially for the volume that he takes. So um, you're not losing three-point marksmanship by shipping him out. Cam Johnson would sting. Uh, he's a really good player. He's a really good young player. Um, where I find it interesting, again, I was just saying how Phoenix has what seems like a rebounding advantage over um, the Warriors to some extent. Man, they really have that if you get Sabonis. Um, and what else I like about it, too, um, they haven't struggled with this yet, but I wonder to some extent. I was a big, big proponent of Phoenix adding uh, JaVale McGee because it was very mm-hmm. clear last year they got killed with Kaminsky in those minutes when Charge went down in the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, McGee's been solid for them this year. Kaminsky, before he got hurt, was actually solid for them this year. But I like the idea of having a rotation. Like McGee is the kind of center that I don't think you want to play against every sort of lineup. Right. Um you know, defensively, even as good as he is and as, as much of a rim protector as he is, I like having the versatility that if you have to go up and down a little bit more, that's a bonus. I like that more than having someone that is kind of more of a traditional five um, and someone that can kind of – that you could potentially run your offense through a lot more than you, – you can't really do that with JaVale. Um, so I like that aspect of it too. I, like I said, I don't hate it. I'd probably have to sit and think on a little bit more. It's an intriguing team though to send him to it would be an intriguing team to send him to and it would i feel like it would at least make the warriors think a little bit as far as like hmm, how do we even go about trying to defend this or stop this so yes or no would it make them the favorites to win the championship to me mm, i'd have to think about it i don't know right away if it does but also again i I don't think I know the answer as to who my favorite even is until I see the Warriors with Clay. That I kind of keep coming back to that. Okay, but I kind of feel like that's the that's the big difference there is that um, they have their own trade that's going to come back and they're not having to give anything up to get them. Uh, so I, I don't know, but it it certainly makes them more interesting than the Warriors in my opinion, and it makes them more interesting than everybody else that's on that contending line at that point. Uh, because that was my thing, and I think a little bit of why Phoenix flew under the radar, I saw people complaining when I did a podcast with Zach Lowe, and I think you and I have talked about it a little bit too, where Zach just straight up asked me, who 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 are your favorites and why? And I think I picked Utah to go to the finals, and Zach talked about the Warriors and different teams, and we did not even mention the Suns on the podcast as like potential favorites to come out of the West. And Suns fans were just flooding both of our mentions. Like, how are you not? How's no one mentioning the Suns? Shocking. They just made it to the finals. They were two games Shocked. shy of winning it. They didn't. They didn't win. Yeah, I know every fan base man when you don't mention them. But they were. In fairness to them, they were two games shy of winning. You know, two ga- wins shy of winning the title. Their roster didn't fundamentally change. They got back most of the guys that were. You know, they feared losing, like Cameron Payne, and you know, and different guys. They got them all back on considerable money. You know. Uh, Mikel Bridges signed an extension for a great deal. Um, yeah. Obviously, the Aiton thing, you know, is kind of lingering, but Chris Paul has looked fantastic. And, you know, they're right. Like, they were not mentioned, but I think they weren't mentioned because they were so static and they brought back everybody. It was just, a, you know, we we knew what this team was, essentially. 
Um, and people had questions about – I didn't, but people had questions about whether or not they benefited from all the injuries last year in the playoffs that happened. Um, they were legit all along. They've looked even better than I would have expected, You know, my wildest expectations for them. Um, that move makes them interesting in a way that you know I don't think a lot of other teams will look given that they probably will just sit tight with the records that they have. It would be very easy to sit tight with a 21-4 and four record, so if the Suns shake things up by doing that – it's a gamble, but I like it. I, I, you know, I don't know if it makes them the favorite, though. I'm not sure. I think it would make them the favorite. I don't necessarily think that I would, you know, bet a ton of money on them actually winning it. I do think that because of Sabonis' contract, that's a little bit of insurance in case you, you know, you can't come to an agreement with Aiton. Not the greatest type of insurance, but. Something that yeah. passes as insurance. I like um, him being next to Aiden, but not in not to potentially replace him. Very it is fair. interesting though. Whew, yeah, that's I very would not fair. like that. That team changes um, a whole lot if Aiden's not there and he replaces him. Right. And then knowing their ownership and just how historically um frugal their ownership has been, not having to pay Cam Johnson um is sub is like a bullet, I feel like they would be happy to dodge i'm not gonna lie so that's just what my calculus was when trying to put this together um chris i know i said that i was gonna throw it to you for some sabonis teams but i lied because i want to get to some emails is that okay are your feelings crushed no my feelings are hurt i'm throwing out one (laughs) team i'll do it quickly get my justification quickly you're not just gonna bypass me sir (laughs) the one team i'll throw out there and i've seen other people say this i think sam vicini said it and made me think about more i think sabonis to the wizards would be interesting um Mm -hmm. just because you know their team they've been a really nice team so far they've got some depth um, but it's very clear, and I think it's been somewhat clear for a while. Again, their net rating is is not in line with what their record is, so they've kind of, you know, uh, punched above their pay grade, really, you know, above their weight. Um, there's some numbers that probably aren't going to stick for much longer if they don't do something. So Sabonis so gives them another offensive option. It gives them someone that the ball doesn't have to be in Beal's hand to make something happen. When the ball's in uh, Dinwiddie's hands, a lot of times it's not leaving his hands. Um you know, he's just kind of done a lot of stuff on his own, which hasn't really looked great so far lately. Um, and I think, quite frankly, they've shown that they have a defense that has shown to be able to protect the rim without really having anybody that you consider to be like an elite rim protector. Um, they have a, a, a strategy, I think. And I kind of just like the idea that if you plug him into that, that it it potentially works. It gives them a little bit more to play with. Um and, you know, it's a team that I think is intriguing if you add him there um, without maybe, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what they had to give up. I'm sure fans would be appalled if they had to give up Rui. Um, okay, or, so here's uh, the quick here's the quick fake trade that I came up with looking at the roster that, that works okay. out sure. salary-wise. Uh, Kuzma and, and Denny Avdia. Yeah, it was going to either have to be here, here or Rui. And, I, I you know, it's I, I don't know which one people would prefer. I know Rui hasn't played this year, uh, so it'd be more of a future thing for the Pacers, which they would probably be thrilled with from that standpoint because it allows them to tank even more this year. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure some fans would not like that. I think you can live with giving up Kuzma. Certainly can live with that. Um, it'd be more about whether you, you want to give up on your, your younger prospects. Um, I don't know. I think you do that if you're the Wizards, honestly. I do it. Um, I don't know if they do, 
but I see a lot of upside there for them because it's very clear they need some sort of infusion um, if they're going to make a real run. I don't know. Like you've got Beal there. He's been more vocal about the fact now that, yeah, I don't want to just commit entirely right away because you do that and then you go back on and then you look like an idiot or whatever he said. I can't remember what it was exactly, but um, this would be a way to do that. I don't know how much Sabonis moves the needle in the mind of NBA stars, but it at least shows that you're trying to do something beyond what you just did already, which was a very nice start to the season, but now seems to be falling flat a little bit. I would do it in a heartbeat if I was Washington. If I was Indiana, I think I can get a little bit more for Sabonis, and I would ask Probably. for it first, and you know, that could be where the talks fall apart. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, so let's move on to emails really quick. I'm tr- I want to squeeze two in at the end here. Okay. So my long-winded friend, you're going to have to be brief Short. in your I'm responses. Short. I'm going to be brief. Brevity. <laughs> Okay, Uh, our first one comes in from Jackson, who writes, I think your podcast and discussions are great. I am actually a fairly new listener, but I have a question about teams and the general ratings about them. If you put James Harden and Kevin Durant on practically any team together, the whole NBA would cower. For some reason with them in the Nets, the general conversation puts them as not good enough without Irving. This just confuses me because most other teams have two stars where at least one is arguably not as good as either Durant or Harden. What is with this narrative? Is it the lack of role players? I see the evidence that the Nets struggle, but it strikes me as odd. And thank you, Jackson. Jackson's email was actually a lot longer than that, and he had some other ones that maybe we'll couch and and save for another show. But I really like this question. Um, Chris... I, you know, before I throw it to you, I'll just say, like, 
Joe Harris's ankle injury is just a killer for this team when you watch them play. Like, they have nobody who can space the floor besides Patty Mills. And, like, Cam Thomas is is their sixth or seventh man. Bruce Brown really can't play as much as you would like him to play if you were a Brooklyn Nets fan because DeAndre Bembry is getting those minutes and neither one can really shoot or space. So they can't really play together. And uh, it's just it, there, there's no balance here. And when you when Steve Nash is trying to get spacers on the floor, um, they're really hurt and compromised on the defensive end, and vice versa when he's trying to stack up the defense. And so, yeah, like I, I think it's a role player problem combined with Harden. You know, there's a lot of reasons why Harden's been relatively struggling. Um. But I just think they don't have spacers. And, like, if you watch the shots that Kevin Durant hits, they're, like, all impossible. Like, nothing is easy for Kevin Durant this season. He's just he's just making it look easy because he's the best player on the planet. But they don't have – there's no one with gravity. And I just think that when you take away Irving, who's one of the best shooters alive, and you take away Joe Harris, who's one of the best shooters alive, you're in trouble. And that's what we're seeing with them. But what do you, what do you, th- what do you, do you agree with? First of all, do you agree with what Jackson's kind of proposing here? No, I think, I think it goes back. I, first of all, I'm more in agreement with you. I think it's a good question. I think it's simplistic from the standpoint, though, that like if you put these two stars on any other team, any other team has depth <laughs> and they have, and sure. I know we've talked, we talked at the beginning. So not to be hypocritical, because you and I talked at the beginning of the season, before the season, about how they added depth and they had. You know, obviously, Patty Mills has been great for them and is a player that any team would love to have. But that's when you're factoring in that you have Joe Harris. It's when you're factoring in that Blake Griffin isn't going to age the way that I thought he was aging last year. Um, You know, some of these pieces don't part out of the rotation. Nick Claxton has, you know, these are guys that are funneling back and forth between the G League. Uh, When you have those sorts of problems, any other team would have more than two or three other playable guys that you know you can play every night. And then it's just haven't had that. So that's the reason that, yeah, if you plug those two guys on other teams, most teams they would have more shooting than the Nets have right now. This was always going to be the problem with the Nets if one of those three went down is that you've banked so much on those three mm-hmm. that there's not really enough to spread around. And that's why it was such a coup for them to get someone like Patty Mills because they don't have a lot of guys that are just that good outside of it, particularly when Blake is not there and when other guys are just not usable because Joe Harris makes everybody workable. Um, so it's no, it's it's not odd. It's just that this is the risk you run when you go all in on three guys and one of them is not able to play. Um, and one of them does not look the Isn't superstar that as, he normally yeah, looks. Yeah. You know, it, 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 this would be the case exactly with any right. team. No, that's exactly right. They don't have a lot of depth. Um, their third best player is LaMarcus Aldridge. That's not who wasn't even supposed to play this year. They like crazy. No, no, we thought it was I done. Mean, there could be a, you know, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but I don't know what's stopping what happened last year from happening ever again for him. You can't totally rule sure. that out, right? So, sure. just a yeah, it's held together by tape. Healthy, yes, and they're in first place, I believe, still. Uh, so it's weird to talk about this team. But they just have been very disappointing in my view, and it's going to be very fascinating to see what moves they make um, 
if any, before the trade deadline. And, you know, whether or not they try to trade Kyrie, I, I just, it's it's just going to be very interesting for the rest of the yep. year. Um, related to that question comes an email from Gavin, who writes, A constant debate I have with my friends slash coworkers is about Kyrie. I often argue that if I were a GM, I'd rather have Trey Young. Do you agree? Thank you guys for being my most consistent insiders. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you, Gavin, for that email. Shout out to Gavin. Um, so, you know, for this question, I think it's really dumb if we don't pretend Kyrie is not a conspiracy theorist and able to play basketball. So for, for the, 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 the purpose of the exercise, we're going to say that Kyrie Irving is an active member of the NBA and and competing on a nightly basis. And last we saw him on the floor when he was healthy, he was tremendous. Like, he's he's dazzling and scintillating and one of the most enjoyable players to watch. So we'll keep, the, we'll, we'll keep it with that perspective, Chris. Um, we will factor in age, though. Kyrie is 29, Trey is 23. Just in your in your view... Just who is better, and who would you rather have on your team if you were a general manager? Just straight up, who's better? It, it's Kyrie. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's hard. To, I don't. I Inter- don't think I, it's that. I, 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 uh, I would not say that, but um, go ahead. I want to hear. St- straight up, saying. I think it's still Kyrie. Uh, it's. I mean, there's just not much Trey can do defensively. You know, I'll give Trey the edge as a passer uh there's no question about that the efficiency is not close now granted that's skewed a little bit by Kyrie having an all-time great efficiency season playing next to Durant um he didn't play that much next to Harden him and uh or the three of them did not play much together is probably the most accurate way to put it so he had a 50 40 90 year but you know if you take him and put him on a team if you take him and put him on a team that's more reminiscent of what Trey Young had prior to last year it would be really interesting because if you want to be honest, Kyrie and Trey actually probably were not that far off as far as like what we were watching and what our perception of them was. Both really fun to watch, both really flashy, Kyrie before LeBron got to Cleveland and Trey before last year. Really fun to watch, but you weren't going to win with them because they weren't superstars to that level or they were not perceived to be superstars to that level. Um so I don't know. Like if you just put them on really bare teams, barren teams, I don't know who would be better or if it would be close. But I would take Kyrie. I just think that he's more he's he's a lot more efficient on his own, I think, than Trey Young. Trey Young gets to the line to make up for a lot of that. But just as far as the shooting ability and different stuff like that, I think it's Kyrie. Defensively, I think it's Kyrie. As a passer, I think it's Trey. Um so I would give the edge to Kyrie, but I'm not I'm not building or at this point I'm not trusting Kyrie enough to build around him sure. knowing what we know about him it's it's Trey and it's and Trey's younger so it's Trey uh so I think it, I think it's a good question but uh I think Kyrie has a little bit more ability um but I would go with Trey just because I don't trust Kyrie at this point and I don't think anybody else should I would go with Trey as well I think Trey is a superior player player and i i think it's really interesting because um i don't think that either would benefit from switching roles like switching teams like trey young on the nets with harden and durant i think is just helpful it's just not working right yeah um 
And Kyrie on the Hawks, where he's got to do everything offensively. He's got to generate all the offense. He's got to run a million pick and rolls. He's got to throw the lobs to Collins and Capella and the kickouts to Herter and Bogdanovich. And, oh, by the way, you know, score 25, 26 a night yourself. I just I don't think that he can do that. So it's a a fascinating question because on the surface, they're very similar. They're similar in size. They're similar in you know positional status or whatever. But I, I think there's a, a big difference and a gap between how they play and how they kind of interact with teammates, if that makes sure. any sense whatsoever. Absolutely, um, it does. And I also I wanted to ask this question selfishly because I wrote about Trey Young on the site today. Um, so everyone go check that out at SI.com. And basically, I wrote about how... Before the season began, Trey wanted to said uh, at media day that he wanted to uh, quote perfect the mid range. And this season, he's been one of the best mid range shooters. It's not the greatest volume; it's four shots per game from the mid range, which is double what he did last year. But it's very comparable to someone like Chris Paul in accuracy. And you just watch the film, and he just he like if he's able to be. Chris Paul-esque in the mid-range, it just adds a completely different dimension to who he is as a player and um, makes him that much more devastating. He's also hitting pull-up threes um, at a very impressive rate for the first time in his career. I, I know everyone thinks that he's this um, a tremendous outside shooter, and that just hasn't been the case throughout his career. But this season, he's shooting nearly 40% on pull-up threes and taking over 70 games. So that's uh, that's if literally what Steph Curry is doing. Exactly. Yes, if we'll see if that it. is sustainable. Um, so that's it's just a fascinating question. And Gavin, thank you again for emailing us. Is there anything else you have to say, Chris, about uh, this debate um, before we can kind of hang up for the day? No. I, again, I think it's just for me. The, the again, the one thing I would give Kyrie that I didn't hear you mention much is just that they're they're both. Neither one of them is like a guy you would build around defensively. Let's say that. Uh, let's be Correct. polite, you know, <laughs> or we could, or we could do the MTV thing and get real. I mean, these are not guys you really want to have defensively. I mean, and I think if you had to pick one or the other, Kyrie holds up better. And I think we've seen what he could do at full effort. I think we're still waiting to see Trey Young kind of play with just full balls to the wall effort defensively. He has to do so much offensively that I get that it's difficult for him, but there are times where the effort just really isn't there. Um, so I would still take Kyrie from that standpoint. But Trey, again, if we're talking about intangibles, I mean, you really there's no debate to be had in a year where Kyrie's not out there with a team that could win a championship if he was. And maybe can win a championship if he's not, but certainly can win it if he is. Um, so Trey has certainly been there, you know, and, and not to mention the other stuff that has kind of come up with Kyrie over the years and the wishy-washiness. So I would take Trey and not really think about it twice from that standpoint. But ability-wise, I think it's a really interesting debate. Yep. So I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to you, Chris, for your insight and your your brevity on those two last uh, emails. Um, I'll try to get better with that in the future. <laughs> and thank you so much to our listeners. Everyone, please keep the emails coming. They've been so tremendous over the past few days and weeks. Uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everyone, please... Uh, uh, stay safe and, and please continue to enjoy the NBA season. Whoa.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.